Welcome to another Books and Culture podcast with Books and Culture's editor, John Wilson. I'm Stan Guthrie, and today, John, will be looking at a new book called C.S. Lewis and the Arts. In this 50th anniversary year of Lewis's death, mm-hmm. there are even more books about <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lewis than ever. And this one is a slim collection of essays from a small publisher that I like called Square Halo Books. Hmm. And you can see that there's a illustration on the front that's done by a man named Ned Bustard, who is an artist and presides over Square Halo Books. And there are a number of essays here. There's a foreword by Ted Prescott, who's an excellent artist I know, and David Downing, whom I first met when we were both undergraduates at Westmont College. I'm several years ahead of it, but David and his wife, Crystal, have both written for books and culture. The artist Bruce Herman, one of my favorite contemporary artists and also writes very well about art. Don King, who is the editor of Christian Scholars Review and also an expert on Lewis and the Inklings. Our mutual friend, Jerry Root, who -hmm. writes here about Lewis's very strong defense of objectivity and several others, including some people who are new to me. Now, what was the occasion for this book other than the anniversary itself? It's an attempt to illuminate Lewis's legacy in one particular aspect that hasn't perhaps been as much emphasized as it might be. And that is particularly, how did he think about art, the way it worked, why we value it, how it relates to our faith, how it relates to our larger understanding of the world, what we might learn so that, for instance, one writer, Charlie Starr, says that for the last century or so, evangelicals have mostly gotten art wrong, and uh, Lewis mostly got it right, and then he tries to show how that's the case. The writers are not by any means writing from a single point of view, nor are they writing in a single style. The Mm -hmm. style of, of the essays varies quite a bit. Some cover familiar ground, others by a writer new to me, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing his name right, but Peter Schockel wrote a very interesting piece on music and dance in Lewis. I think that in this time when we are absolutely saturated (laughs) with Lewis books, some of which are quite good, but even the ones that are quite good, no one would have time to read all of them. And there are a lot more that perhaps are not so good. You might say, well, why is it worth putting out a book like this? And even if the book exists, is it only for artists? I would say not at all. I would say that it's helpful to us to not only have some of Lewis's reflections and engagement with the subject held up for our inspection, so to speak, by the various writers, but also to see how they make use of that. That doesn't at all mean that we are going to agree with all of them. Does Lewis himself have an overarching kind of approach to art or understanding of art that you could summarize in, say, a couple of sentences? I couldn't summarize it in a couple of sentences. I could point to a passage that you and I have talked about before that is at the end of his 
wonderful little book, An Experiment in Criticism, which is one of my favorites Mm -hmm. of his books. And he talks in that book about why we read. Why should we read? And he's Mm -hmm. mainly talking about literature. And he considers a number of what you might call standard answers to that question. You know, one is that it's good for us. Another is well, we get lots of information, you know, and so on and so on. And he rejects these. At the very end, there's this wonderful passage, which Jerry Root, by the way, knows verbatim. I was at a Lewis gathering with him within the last year, and Jerry and I were talking about this passage, and he just started quoting it. And I had sort of paraphrased, and he said, no. No. <laughs> I mean, it's prose. It's not poetry. It's a lot yeah. easier to remember poetry yeah. than it is prose. And he you knew the whole passage. Yeah. It was very wonderful. But anyway, Lewis says that we read for what he calls extension of being. Mm-hmm. And he said each of us is to some degree trapped in his or her own self. But through reading and through art more generally, we can see through other eyes, we can feel with other hearts. And he goes on to say that he even wishes that he could perceive the world the way various animals do. Mm. So that he said, it's not enough to be limited to the human. I wish that I could perceive the world Mm. through the senses of some other creature. And he mentions that we may value the work of writers who see the world very differently from the way we do. He said, even writers we might consider wicked. Now, some people criticize Lewis on this point. When we were in Texas in September, Wendy and I had dinner with Jay Budzhishevsky and his wife, Sandra. Mm -hmm. And Jay is a terrific thinker. And Sandra are godparents to one of our grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And it was really nice to be with them. But Jay was saying that he felt that Lewis should have made it more clear that there is a morally treacherous ground there where seeing with other eyes, feeling with other hearts, that sounds good, but there is a danger of, in a sense, becoming complicit with a way of seeing and a way of feeling that is not good for us. And he felt that that was a serious flaw in what Lewis said there. But setting that aside, the very way that Lewis responded by going through these standard arguments and then giving his answer, I think it's very suggestive of the way he thought about art in general. And you don't think by analyzing his approach to art, his understanding of art, that it would kind of maybe be paralysis by analysis, or you think you can still walk up to a painting and... (laughs) Appreciate well, it. certainly not in <laughs> Lewis's case. And again, that's partly a matter of temperament for some people. Certain kinds of analysis does kill their experience of it. And so, fine. Actually, some of the people writing for this book are inveighing against what they find is overly theoretical mm-hmm. orientation of a lot of writing about art. I think that it would have been wonderful if they could have gotten... Nick Wolterstorff to contribute to this volume because he brings a very different perspective for thinking about art. He tends to be somewhat impatient with a certain discourse of high art that defines all art Mm -hmm. in one way. And Nick rightly points out that art has many faces. Something that is made to be used can also be art. And so that Mm -hmm. you can't just 
say, well, if it's used, if it's it's something like a chair. (laughs) So there's a whole kind of highfalutin way of talking about art that you find in Coleridge and many others. Mm -hmm. It has some wonderful elements, but also is too remote from the messiness of the actual things that people do. That's one of the great things about Lewis is he was able to reach all kinds of people on all different levels. To a phenomenal degree. 